1: Hey, thanks for listening to Dirt and Sprague On Demand, a Service Patriots podcast. Service
2: Patriots is your home comfort solution for all your heating and air conditioning needs. Check out the latest special offers for our listeners at servicepatriots.com slash the fan.
0: Dirt and Sprague on Football Friday on 1080 The Fan. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea with a rollicking song he sweeps along. Swaggering boisterously. This is a football Friday edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by the Odyssey app. Download the Odyssey app, follow 1080 The Fan, and enable push notifications to get the latest on the Ducks, Beavers, Blazers, and more. Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right,
1: welcome back in. Hour number two, Dirt and Sprague here on Portland Sports Leader 1080 The Fan, the Odyssey app. YouTube.com backslash 1080 The Fan. Oh, yeah, the ladies love it. Big fans of the YouTube. (laughs) I've been a dad for about 11 years, almost 12. I don't know if I've ever been cooler to any of my kids than when I told my 7-year-old this morning that uh, I'm going to be on YouTube. And she's seen me, but like Mm -hmm. every time she hears or sees it, it's the coolest thing in the world to her. You're on YouTube, man. How did you get on YouTube, Dad? (laughs) I just put a camera and turned it on. Uh, kind of a big deal. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Kind of no, a big no, no. deal.
3: YouTube came to us. That's
1: right. They begged begged us to put our show on their on their platform. That's exactly. They said, you know what? We need this AM dial in Portland, Oregon, USA. <laughs> you are, our brand is dying. We have nothing that anybody <laughs> wants to watch. We need you on our YouTube. Uh, we've got Chris Fetters coming up at the bottom of the hour. Dogman.com. I have two questions. What the hell has happened to the Huskies? And why are they so, so, so bad at recruiting? We'll ask Chris that. Mm. Uh, We've got uh, Heisman moments. Are they a real thing for you? I have a player that I'm going to challenge you on and say, what was the Heisman moment? Oh, okay. I I understand that there are moments, but is it a little overrated? Mm. We'll talk about that a little bit. And will the Huskies lose at USC this weekend? Uh, Let's start the second hour. Oregon stayed on the road at Colorado. Uh, I think your team's going to beat Cal. We'll get to Cal, Oregon at some point, but it's... Oregon State has, uh, they're coming off a road loss. Sure. You put up a thing last night, which bet you most comfortable with, and I wasn't surprised that some people responded with, I, I'm not trusting Oregon State with a 14-point spread on the road. Like, come on, what are we doing here? I'm kind of in that camp, to be honest with you. Like, please go do it. I need to see it. But. Nonetheless, going on the road and trying to bounce back from a a game that felt like you should have won a weekend ago, that you ultimately lost to Arizona, and kind of put yourself behind the eight ball in the Pac-12 title game race.
2: Yeah, I just, I I don't quite have that feeling. I understand why Oregon State fan is looking at this saying, go prove it, right? Do it on the road and prove it. I, I would make the argument, maybe people disagree with me on this, I think Cal's better than Colorado. I don't really even... Ah, close is I shouldn't say it's not close, but if I had to pick a team to win on a neutral field head to head, I would take out a beat Colorado ten out of ten times. And you guys went to Cal and won by what? Two tutties? What was the final of that? 52-40. 52-40, so you won by 12. Wouldn't quite cover this 13.5 point spread, but again, I think Cal is a better football team. They run the ball. They're more balanced offensively. Cal's defense is another conversation, but let's not sit here and act like Colorado can play any defense. If you go back and watch Colorado's game against UCLA last week, a lot of it was kind of weird, funky turnovers that allowed Colorado to stay in the game. UCLA didn't have a great offensive first half. Oregon State is more balanced than what UCLA is right now. I know DJ They didn't have the best game, and we argued about this last Friday. But when you're comparing them to a team that can't stop anybody, I'm not fearful at all. Like, is Colorado gonna hit a couple of deep shots? Like, yeah, probably. They're gonna sling it around. Shador Sanders puts up decent numbers in in almost every game outside of like one or two this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to score a little bit on your defense. But I just I don't see a way in my head, I'm trying to play this game out. Like, how is Colorado going to get stops, man? That's that's the 10th worst rush defense in the Pac-12, which is even saying something, that how bad the teams behind them are. Oregon State's one of the top three or four rushing teams in the conference. Like, that's your stat. That's the only thing that I care about. If Colorado cannot stop the run, which they have not shown the ability to do all season, you cannot beat Oregon State. Like, I know Oregon State got a little cute with their play calling at times last week, but Arizona, at, you know, occasionally would bottle up a run here or there and put you in a second and long. And it's like, all right, now we got to throw the ball. Colorado's not going to have the ability to do that, and that's why I just I I I'm, I wouldn't sweat this one at all if I were a Beaver fan. Uh, you may remember
1: that at UCLA or uh, Colorado players had their jewelry stolen. Yes, they did. Uh, I actually found out from the press conference yesterday that so did UCLA players. So this was not an inside job by Bruins. Mm. That uh, the stadium just got hit and security. Either was tied to it in some way or somebody A got around it. Wheel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, here was Dion actually calling out the NCAA to like resolve this issue.
4: I know the kids would be forthright in what was stolen and some of our just uh, staff members as well. And now all that stuff should be replaced. This is the Rose Bowl. He said the granddaddy of them all, right? I'm sure granddaddy has some money. Grandpa should have some money to get these kids. Um, I'm going to have a list made out from these young men, and I know they're going to be truthful about what they lost, so we could try to get that back for them. They may not be able to get the items back, but we should uh, be able to reimburse them. That was unbelievable. But I did hear that uh, the home team was robbed as well. So I, I, don't, I don't know, but I did hear that. But that don't make no sense. When you're out there balling and playing your heart out, then you're getting robbed of the same aspect. So I hope we could do something about that NCAA. You do something about everything else. Do something about that. When it, when it comes to kids, in regards to the kids, NCAA, you do something about everything else. Do something about this one. <laughs> He said, the granddaddy of them all, right? I'm sure granddaddy has some money.
1: <laughs> I love that line. Uh, I'm, sure I'm sure granddaddy, sure granddaddy, had some, granddaddy money. some money. I mean,
2: he's not wrong at no, all. This he's is, not. It's ridiculous. Like, how is there not security? <laughs>
1: Who the hell gets into an opponent locker room? It reeks. And the home team yeah. locker room during the game. Uh, you mentioned the physicality of Oregon State just running the football. And mm-hmm. Dion was actually asked, do you practice differently? Do you prepare differently when you play a physical team, and this was Dion's answer.
4: Yes, it does. You incorporate more tackling drills in um, to compensate for the physicality.
1: You you
4: pad them up maybe a little more, maybe allow a lot more contact um, because of the physicality. You 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 may elongate some periods that involves physicality in it that you want to make sure your team is is ready and on point, but you still want to tailor off on those ta- tail off on those things to kind of keep them fresh as well. So um, these guys are watching film. They've increased the film uh, viewership tremendously since we challenged them to. So they know what they're in for. And I I, I, I can't wait, especially since looking all the linemen in the eyes and just seeing uh, how they responded in the candid conversation that we had. It's, it's tremendous. I can't wait to see how they respond.
1: Dirt, you say, I don't know how they do it when you can't stop the run. Uh-huh. I would agree with that, except UCLA can also run the football. They were up 7-6 at halftime on Colorado. Uh-huh. And I would also point to the fact that Oregon State's head coach made one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in my entire life watching <laughs> football. Yes, and so, did. yeah, it's easy to sit here and say, well, they run the football really well and Colorado's not good. You've seen this Oregon State team go on the road and just for some reason, coach, player, execution, it changes. And it doesn't change for the better. So that's that's the only counter argument I have to what you're saying is I don't know why, but everybody on that team and in that program goes on the road and either feels or thinks differently than they do
2: at home. I have that fear when you go on the road and you play good teams. I don't think Colorado's a good team in any way, shape, or form. They are one-dimensional offensively. They average like 70 rushing yards per game. They're one of the worst defenses in the conference. Their offensive line is horrible. Like, this is just isn't a good football team. And we all overreacted to the start of the year. You can point to UCLA. I would counter-argue and say, I think Oregon State's better than UCLA. You beat them head-to-head. I know it was in your own building, and maybe that game's slightly different if it's in L.A., but you beat them, and you beat them handily. And I was a game I thought UCLA had a chance to come in and win in research. Here's the, here's the key stat, and this goes back to last weekend's game. If Oregon State is a minus four in turnover margin, yeah, you're going to have a weird game on your hands. If you're minus four, you turn it over four times, and Colorado doesn't turn it over at all. You might find yourself in a dogfight. Don't be minus four in the turnover margin, and UCLA wins that game by 30 points last weekend. Like, that's just the reality. Colorado cannot run the football, they cannot protect their quarterback, and their defense is terrible. You cannot win games in this conference at a consistent clip when three of those four things go against you. Shador is good, he's accurate. I think he holds on the ball a little too long. They got some good skill position players on the outside. That's all they got going for them. Other than that, the dress of the team sucks. And I think Oregon State is one of the more physical teams in the conference. They're one of the more balanced teams in the conference. And I think they're going to, I think they're going to treat this as a big time game and a bounce back opportunity, nationally televised. They know how many people are watching it. And I think they're going to kick the crap out of Colorado.
1: Uh is Washington on upset alert and are Heisman moments real every year? Are they real things that need to happen for a player to win the award? We'll get to that next on the fan. Is Washington going to lose to USC? It feels like they've been close to losing the last couple weeks. Are they doomed to have a loss finally, or will they get past the Trojans down in L.A.? Uh big game, obviously, for their defense. Uh, tested against Caleb Williams and Michael Penix, who might be near the top if he's not at the top today of the driver's seat of the Heisman Trophy and winning that award. Uh, I... I hate to ask this on the fly, but I'm blanking in real time. Huskies had a Heisman winner?
3: Swag, do you know? I don't. Not in not in modern not times, in modern I know times. that. Right? I they don't know had, if uh... they got one way back in the 40s. I don't think so, though. Uh, da, da, da. I feel like I'd know. We should know that. I
1: feel like we would know the answer to that if they have. Yeah. So it's got to be Heisman a time winner. before even Swag was live. Look in the twenties. Yeah, maybe no the
2: tens. <laughs> uh, here's seven Huskies who have made a bid. I don't think they've won one. Has
3: Tui? Did Tui go to New York? He might have. He was. I really also good. Th- the one guy that was also getting a lot of hype. I can't remember if he was a finalist or not. Was Steve Emptman. Oh yeah, that's a good the one. defensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, In their uh, shared national championship year. Yeah.
1: Uh, Well, we'll talk with Chris Fetters about this uh, at 730, bottom of the hour. I know Oregon is rooting for USC this weekend. As gross as that may feel to them, because sure. they want Washington to lose for obvious reasons.
2: I also want a primo kick time on the Oregon USC game the next weekend. And if USC loses that game, there's a chance it's a night game. And Oregon's got a we got a strong run going here of no night games, and I would like to continue that. Uh, I thought
1: you love night games. <laughs> I love the after dark game, not home games. Road games I don't yeah. care. Home games I don't want anything to do with a 7:30 kick. Well, I think Oregon is rooting for USC to win for the football standings. I think there's another reason. They're rooting against him, and that's because of USC beats Washington. You mentioned it comes more of a prime time type of game. Yeah, USC's only a two loss team, man. They're still alive in the Pac 12. And he's getting buzz, but I think you can easily argue Bo Nicks hasn't had the Heisman moment. Totally fair and i I find that narrative interesting. Do you believe that that is a thing every year there's a Heisman moment for a player? I don't think it's every year. I do think there are times that you look at a player
2: that maybe there's a doubt isn't even the right word, but there's a there's a campaign building and then they have a win. Or a performance that you say, aha, that's the best player in college football. I think there's a lot of those, not necessarily like one, like the Mariota hurdle of Oregon State turned out to be his quote-unquote Heisman moment. But that Oregon State team was not very good. He that was, was the
1: guy I was going to throw at you. It was, yeah. I don't think he, ha- he had g- amazing numbers. His season was sure. just outstanding. We saw it a couple times live. I wouldn't classify any of those wins that year in the conference, even at Washington. I think they were ranked. But that it, was probably the biggest one. That was yeah. a big Fox game. Game day was yeah. there. Yeah, that was. But that was seven and five Sark Washington days. Right, and, and that's kind of my point is. I don't know if you really need a moment more so than just have amazing numbers and maybe win your conference. I'll, th- I'll throw out a guy, though, that I
2: think had a moment and a quarterback at his former school is trying to do the same thing this weekend. I, I think Joe Burrow is a good example of this, that Joe Burrow, his year at, at, at LSU, I think there was a bit of, as the year went on, like, yeah, yeah, this is great, but are we sure this is for real? Like, it came out of nowhere. And there was a certain aspect of people not buying in until what happened. <laughs> until he went into Tuscaloosa and accounted for, like, six touchdowns. They hung, like, 30 on him in the first half, and he beat Nick Saban. And that was the eye-opening moment of, like, oh, my God, not only is this team probably the best in college football, but – that dude's going to win the Heisman Trophy. And Jaden Daniels has the chance to do the same thing in Tuscaloosa this weekend. But to your point, I think there's a good shot for Penix if they win and he plays well. It's a 4:30 game on ABC. It's a massive game. It's a spotlight game. It's probably the biggest spotlight. I don't mean any disrespect to Utah or Oregon State. This is probably the biggest spotlight game that they have left because of the opponent that they're playing and the quarterback matchup that goes into
1: it. You can't beat the lights of L.A., man, no matter how much you hate it. Caleb Williams, the last, last year's Heisman Trophy winner. Yep. Um there's I mean the record, they're still good team. I know they've not looked as good this year as many thought, but home game, so you're going on the road. And and oh by the way, tiny little caveat. Recruiting. They've not been good at recruiting.
2: Recruiting. Yeah, get a win in Los Angeles.
1: Yes, like make your system look fun and enticing. Uh I I don't know. It's it's an opportunity for Penix. He obviously already has the Oregon game in which he threw the game winning touchdown pass in that yeah, one. He was very good in that game. Uh yeah, he was good. But the duck defense, to your point, like Prior to that possession, it went even in the three hundred category. So in the second half, they struggled a little bit. Yeah, he did. Uh, it's a it's, an, it's a massive game for the Huskies. Do you feel like? Do you feel like these last couple weeks are going to catch up to them, or do you I, look at USC and just say God. this might be a week where they get right because the defense is so bad and embarrassingly bad at USC? Plus, their offense. I know they're scoring points, but mm-hmm. they get off to slow starts too. The Arizona game the Cal game, they get off to these weird, slow starts. You do that against Washington, I don't believe you have an ability to get back with them the way you have against Arizona and Cal. I have no clue what to make of Washington right now. I just don't. I don't know how to feel about
2: them. I don't have a confidence level in either way. Like, if I want to try and argue they're going to win or try and argue that they're going to lose, I have no confidence. I have no clue what's going to happen in Los Angeles tomorrow, which makes it a really fun and exciting game to watch because there's a lot of games that you go into a field with. If they had bounced back and played against Stanford the way that we all thought they were going to, and that is last week taking them to cover a four-touchdown spread, this game to me would be a bit of an afterthought of like, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're playing USC, Caleb Williams is good, but you're going to beat them because USC can't play a lick of defense and they're just historically bad on that side of the ball. Washington will be fine. The fact that you gave up 500 yards of offense to Stanford on the road Is to me a terrifying thing if you're a Husky fan, and I don't have a feel on this. There is a, I went back and watched yesterday the Cal USC game. And every time you watch Caleb Williams, you're just you're blown away with how good he is. And I know there's this like narrative out there that he's having a down year. He hasn't been as good. I pointed out yesterday, and I will point out again, his numbers are nearly identical to Jaden Daniels, who is, <laughs> to a lot of people, leading the Heisman Trophy conversation. And he might be leading it if they beat Alabama yes. this weekend. I, the ironic part about it, too, is I feel like USC and LSU are the same football team. They are a good offense with an elite quarterback and an ass defense. LSU's defense is terrible. An ass defense. Dude, Alabama could score 50 tomorrow Can if you they pull wanted that? To- I need that as a drop. <laughs> they are ter- Their defense is terrible. You'd love to def- say that. An <laughs> ass defense. <laughs> their defenses are awful, and they're propped up by offensive football, and they're propped up by their quarterbacks. I think they're the same team. I think they're the same player, with Caleb obviously being the better pro, pro prospect. So I just I don't have a feeling in it at all. I'm not going to give you a hot take. I'm not going to give you an opinion. This is one I just want to sit back and watch because I don't know what to
1: make of Washington, right now. I'm gonna. I want to just highlight this. So obviously, they still got a month of a month of games left. I believe they have an open date at some point in the back end of their schedule because of the way it's. I'm talking about USC or Washington. yeah. Yeah. I think their schedule's weird. There's like an open date somewhere in these next few games. Season not over. Here's where it stands. Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy winner last year. Okay, 66 completion percentage, 4,500 passing yards, a 9.1 yard average. 42 tuds, 5 picks, a 168.5 rating. Caleb Williams this year, so far, 68 completion percentage, (laughs) 2,600 yards. I don't think he'll match the yardage. (laughs) No, probably not. But a 9.6-yard average, 25 tuds as of now, 4 picks, not 5, and a 175.4 rating. The idea that he's playing less than where they were last year it's kind of ridiculous. It's hilarious to me. He's pushed the ball down the field further. He had a bad game against Notre Dame, and that was it. They had
2: a, they just had a clunker. Their offense was terrible, and they got punched in the mouth. You could really make an argument that was his first bad game of his entire college career. Yeah, we also, it's a recency bias, because you know what Jaden Daniels did to open the year? He had a horrible performance. He was really bad against Florida State. Go back and look at the numbers and watch that tape. He was awful in that game. He just has the benefit of it being his first game, and he's played great since. And Caleb Williams' game is more recent against Notre Dame. Will Washington
1: lose, and why are they so damn bad at recruiting with Kalen DeBoer? Chris Fetters joins us for the Daily Ticker. We'll get into Oregon Cal. (laughs) We got the NFL games to talk about as well. And we will spread the line at 830. So get the spreading line sponsors in to the Vancouver Ford text line 503-864-6326. Chris Fetters joins us on 1080TheFan and YouTube.com uh, next. In this wide world of
0: sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. This is the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about and some you haven't. How do you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague on 1080TheFan. The Fan. All
2: right, Daily Ticker time here on a football Friday. Big one in L.A. tomorrow. Washington going on the road to take on USC. It is the primetime game on ABC 430. Very excited for this one. Joining us now to preview it is our friend Chris Fetters at Chris underscore Fetters on Twitter. Go give him a follow. And uh, he is the editor of Dogman 247. Chris, good morning to you. We were just asking the question, and I'm curious to get your perspective on it. What what's happened the last two weeks? Like I don't think anybody was surprised about a letdown game against Arizona State coming off the big emotional win against Oregon, but to see it linger into last week, what what, what are people saying, and what are you seeing from what's happened here the last
1: two weeks?
5: Well, it, it was interesting. You know, we didn't really know some of the background story until after the Stanford game, and then it came out that uh, Michael Penix Jr. wasn't exactly feeling great, and a bunch of guys were actually pretty under the weather um thankfully it wasn't COVID related but they there was the flu going around um that type of symptoms I mean Kim Grinnolds, who's our guy at Dogman our CEO was down at the Stanford game and talked to Mike personally after the game and, and he just said he didn't look great at all he just he looked like you know he was just struggling and and just you know had the kind of cold and flu symptoms that we all have this time of year it's just going around and uh Kalen DeBoer talked about it to uh this week and and basically just said yeah we we deal with it every year every school every school has to deal with it and and we're getting through it and and I talked to Mike personally on on Tuesday and and he looks great he was a little feisty which I thought I took that as a good sign that he's kind of back to fighting fit and and feeling better and and all that but uh you know divorce it basically as long as it doesn't decimate an entire position group we will we'll be able to manage through it and so i think that was a big element of it and i also think to be honest with you it's it's one of those things where the higher up the mountain you go the you, the more you're taking everyone's shot and the, mm. the the harder it is to breathe up there in that rarefied air it's just uh you know they are one of five you know uh, power five conf- conference teams in the country to be undefeated and um it's interesting that, that they got downgraded for those games despite the wins when there's a lot of other teams that are that are, you know, one loss teams right now that stubbed their toe and did the exact same thing that Washington did in terms of maybe let down games or some of the things that you describe and, and yet Washington still came out with the win. So uh I thought that was interesting when the college football playoff poll came out on Tuesday and, and, and the the talking heads kind of mentioned that those that they were downgrading those wins and yet There's a lot of people out there that are telling us at the same time that Washington's win against Oregon was arguably the best win of the season by any team. And so are they going to credit wins, or are they going to downgrade maybe bad wins? It's confusing to me. So when you talk about strength of schedule and things like that, that's where it all gets very confusing
1: for me. Yeah, Chris, Florida State almost lost at Boston College. Boston College isn't a very good yeah. team, but we. I love how they used, yeah. by the way, the red bandana excuse in that game. It was an emotional game for Boston College. Oh, it was yeah, the red bandana yeah. game, so that was excused. <laughs> but whatever Washington has was clearly not a good enough excuse. Well, Chris, I, I think you would acknowledge though, like we've never seen a Pac-12 team in this era of the conference that is now dead. We've never seen a team uh, get through this unscathed. There's always like a random game or a big opponent. That gets somebody. It, the last two weeks, you say they're sick, and then a couple weeks ago, Arizona State was kind of a weird game. Do you feel like they're vulnerable for that loss? Like, do you just feel like it's kind of hanging out there, or do you feel, in talking to the coaches and players, that maybe the last two weeks have kind of refocused, you know, the, the goal here to get through this thing and not lose any of these games?
5: Yeah, that's a great question, and it really does all all boil down to perspective, doesn't it? I mean, when you're when you're the player or the coach. You're just trying to take this thing one week at a time, one game at a time, one day at a time, one snap at a time. You're just trying to get through it and just trying to do the best you can, especially mitigating circumstances like injuries or health in general. Uh, Those types of things are really looming large. But you're right. The history just dictates that there's going to be bogey games everywhere you turn. And you looked – you know, we went all the way back, and you looked at the very, very first day that this schedule was was released, and you looked at – you know at USC, home to Utah, and we obviously didn't know anything about Cam Rising at that time. And then you go on the road to Oregon State, which we all knew that that was going to be a, a crazy game, a really, really tough game, arguably the toughest game left on that, that November slate that Washington was going to have, and then the Apple Cup, which throw, throw the records out the window in the in the rivalry games. So you looked at that schedule and go, okay, that that's just littered with, with uh, <laughs> with problem games for Washington to try to solve. And, and I, I'm sure they all anticipated that they were going to be 8-0 going into the to the USC game, but for sure uh, all those November games looked like they were just going to be bogey teams. And, and as you guys have said, history will dictate that really no team has ever gone through it completely unscathed. And so it is. It's out there looming in the, in the background, in the shadows, kind of wondering when it's going to pop its head up. A lot of people think it's going to be this week. Because USC is is still USC. I don't care how bad they are this year; they're still USC. They're still loaded from top to bottom with talent. Oh, by the way, they do have the returning Heisman Trophy winner quarterback. quarterback. Um, he's okay, and and so they you know you just you just never never know until the games are played, and and so that's the the difficult challenge for this Washington team. But if you followed them all year, like most have on the West Coast you'll see a resilient team, a team that has been able to fight through adversity, uh, whether it was against Arizona State or Stanford, and figure out a way, to, to grind out, manufacture a win, and that's what they've been doing.
2: Yeah, I think you go through games like they have the last two weeks, too. It's also the reminder, you, you don't you don't ever want to overlook anybody. I know I'm going into the Oregon-Cow game saying the same thing this weekend of like, hey, a cow scoring points, you never know what could happen, don't overlook them, take everybody seriously. I don't think anybody has any doubt that Washington is going to absolutely shred this USC defense. Like US, should, yeah. USC is terrible yep. on that side of the ball, maybe the worst in the conference, which is saying something with their ability to acquire talent. I think the question for everybody is what does Washington do defensively against USC, and the performance against Stanford wasn't great. Just, how, What do you make of the way Washington's defense is playing and how, as you mentioned, going against a Heisman-winning quarterback, how they're prepared to try and slow down USC, who not as good as maybe we thought coming into the year but can still score a lot of points on people?
5: Well, yeah. I mean, between the two offenses, you're talking about basically 1,000 yards and over 85 points combined a game. So, I think that's why the narrative is out there that, that whatever the number is, take the over. I mean, that's just the, the bottom line on this game. Everyone thinks that the defenses are, are basically just going to be sizz, and, and it's the team that has, you know, maybe, uh, you know, creates a, a turnover at a key moment or just gets a fourth down stop or hits that field goal at the very end because Washington's done that. They've done that at USC, they did it under Sark. And the last time Washington played at USC, that was when Jake Browning was a true freshman. And Miles Gaskin, that was his breakout game as a true freshman. And they beat USC on the road. So, yeah, so I, I get all the narratives and things like that. It's funny, though, because you talk about defense. I wonder if this storyline is going to be written after the game that this was a get right game for one of these defenses. I just wonder if that's going to be the narrative that's going to be talked about after this, because both defenses have shown glimpses. Obviously USC has got a huge problem with shot plays and explosives. I mean, that's been well documented. They've, they've given up probably double what the next team in the Pac-12 has. It's bad. I mean, it's really bad. Um, but, again, it's weird to say that knowing that their front is arguably one of the best fronts in the conference. So how do you get the tackles for loss? How do you get the sack numbers, and yet you're giving up so many explosives on the back end? That's a question I haven't been able to figure out the answer to. And obviously the people at USC have not been able able to figure out the answer to. I'm very curious to see how that works out uh, tomorrow afternoon. Hmm. And then for Washington, it's it's just one of those things where they just need to get takeaways. I don't know if you guys realize this, they still don't have a fumble recovery all season. They haven't, they haven't been able to generate any fumbles at all. Now, they've been able to generate a, a, a lot more interceptions, for instance, compared to last year, and a lot of that is because their front has been able to generate pressures and get quarterbacks off the spot. Yet, conversely, they don't have anywhere near the sack numbers and tackles for loss that everyone expected them to have uh, going into the season. So, again, do, can, can one of these defenses get right? Can they figure out a situation where all three levels can function as one and make those key stops at the end of the game when it really matters? And I think Washington has been battle-tested on some of these fronts. I mean, again, you got a a pick six to, to take the lead against Arizona State in a moment where not really anything was going right for them. Um, and then USC again. It's just been proven the last few games. I mean, what have they given up? About forty-two, forty-three points a game. Right. I mean, it just doesn't. It on paper clearly, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't uh, feel like a situation where a, a low-scoring game is going to happen. And yet, I in the back of my head, and again, it's maybe it's 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 my brain having you know synapses firing on the wrong <laughs> cylinders or something. But I, I just wonder if this is going to be a, a game where one of these defenses. Steps up and says, you know what, guys? I'm just not going to take it anymore. We're done with this. We're better than this. We can get stops. We can create turnovers. We can do the things we need to do. Look at, look at USC. USC was down, what, 14 in the fourth quarter against Cal? Mm-hmm. At Cal? Yep. And yet they were able to generate those short fields with those turnovers, got right back in the game. And then all of a sudden they figure out a way to win. I'm wondering if something like that may not happen on Saturday.
1: I hate to ask you this because I'm going to have to ask you to also go as quickly as you can because we're over our clock here, Chris. We noted sure. earlier the recruiting struggles of DeBoer and Washington. They're behind Iowa and Minnesota. And I know rankings can be it can vary from how many you get versus the other schools. But it's been one of the weaknesses. I, I liken DeBoer to Chip Kelly. Really smart football guy, knows how to coach, knows how to get things out of players. But, I don't know, the recruiting just doesn't seem to be on line with where the program is. Uh, Cause for concern for you about Washington's inability to recruit at an elite level.
5: Well, I'd say a couple things first. I I did a quick analysis on this because that's clearly a a big storyline for the Washington fans. If you look at the recruiting rating by number, like if you actually go by the rating per recruit, Because right now, Washington is looking a lot more at the portal than they ever have before, clearly. And that's where you get the the guys like Mike Penix. And right now, but if you look at the high school players, they're actually averaging per recruit a better rating than they were under Chris Peterson. And Chris Peterson's recruiting after year three, continued to get better and better. So I fully expect that trend to also continue under DeBoer as they have a stronger and stronger story to tell. And then the second part, as I just mentioned, the portal is huge for Washington right now. And, you know, they're going to have to replace Mike Penix. Do you think they're going to have a problem going out to the college ranks and saying you can be the Mm -hmm. next Mike Penix? No. I don't think that's going to be much of a problem. So, again, it's it's kind of a combination of those two things. But clearly – they need to continue to ramp up their recruiting because that's the lifeblood of of every program and especially when you're going into the Big Ten, where it's gonna be even more competitive times a factor of a hundred than it was in the Big Twelve or in the Pac
2: twelve. Yeah, great stuff. Chris Fetters at Chris underscore Fetters on Twitter, go give him a follow. Dogman two four seven. Can't wait for the game tomorrow. Chris, thanks so much for joining us to preview it and hopefully we'll catch up again here soon.
5: Okay. Good morning, guys. I'll talk to you soon. There you go.
2: Chris Fetters. Good stuff from him on Washington and USC. Yeah, that was the report out of Stanford, an illness going through the locker room. Hell, I was sick last week, so I know what that felt like. I gave you my illness, so you've been dealing with phlegm for a week. Thank you. So you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> it went through our locker room as well, and we we powered through. Okay, You battle through. No excuses around here. Nope. We get the job done. Let's talk a little bit more, more about not only this game, because he did have some interesting things to say there, but also the rest of the Pac-12 slate. Because there's a handful of other games that I'm kind of circling really excited for. Not necessarily conference title implications, but really big games for the teams involved. And uh, we'll continue on that We'll get to Oregon and Cal coming up top of the hour. And don't forget your Spring in the Line sponsors at the Vancouver Ford text line at 503-864-6326 back after this on the fan. Well, Chris Fetters comes on, and Husky fans are
1: saying, Amen, brother. And Duck fans are saying, Got a lot of excuses. I love it. I, you love know, I, I get it. I understand the rivalry and the hostility. I didn't really feel like, did you feel like there were excuses there? No, nah, I mean, teams get sick. I, that's a thing. I,
2: like, Michael, I didn't think Michael Penix looked that sick. I thought he was not their problem last weekend. So that was the only pushback that I would have, of like, sure. I get that Penix. They're saying, and I'm, I take his word for it, that he was he was not feeling great after that game. Go look at his numbers. Like I, I thought he was slinging the
1: rock. He threw for almost 400 yards and like four yeah. touchdowns.
2: It wasn't a. They pick got to problem. a clunky start, I guess. If you want to do that, like first couple of drives were imperfect. But as the game went on, it was not their their issue last week was their defense, which is why I wanted to ask you guys more on this game because I'm obviously coming at it from a
1: slant. Like I just, no, I, you're not. You you're you're. Come on, man! Like you cannot <laughs> like some team and still also be honest about it. Well,
2: I just that's why I wanted to ask you guys. Like, how do you? Feel, are you confident in Washington going on the road to beat USC? Is this a, is this a high confidence game? No, Washington
1: is the better team. Nobody would disagree with that. No, I'm I'm not because it's it's a road game in college football. Mm. How many how many years of our lives are we gonna watch teams? <laughs> Oklahoma lost to Kansas last weekend, and it wasn't particularly packed in that stadium. There are a lot of Oklahoma fans. You can't tell me that that was the Oklahoma team we've seen all year. No. Last couple of weeks, they've had a similar trend, actually, to Washington, where they had that big marquee win a number of weeks ago. Against Texas. I think it was the week before the Oregon-Washington game. Yeah. And then the, la- the after, they have not been UCF quite the same. in Kansas. Yeah. And, and they got their comeuppance by playing a close game against a good team. You know, I, I think they're better than Kansas, but I would kind of put USC in the similar category of they're still a good team. Like, just because they've lost some games doesn't mean they suck all of a sudden. I yeah. think people know that. Caleb's awesome. I'm, I'm putting this confidence meter at, like, a 6 out of 10. I'm leaning with confident they can win. But, like, I'm leaving enough room to say, oh, I'm not shocked that they lost this weekend. Because of what you pointed out there, the offense was atrocious against Arizona State. Yes, it was. But, you know, hangover game, I get it. And Oregon has a little bit of what Stanford used to have, I think. Because of the size and skill of their players, I think there's a hangover effect here. Mm. You play a physical team like Oregon, you may not feel right the very next week. Plus, you had the emotional high of where they were after winning that game. Uh, I, I wasn't that shocked. But also their offense was inexplicably not there against Arizona State. Their yep. defense was the problem last weekend. Which is weird because they've had back-to-back weeks where the problem's
2: been the opposite. Yeah, they've taken turns. They couldn't score yeah, a touchdown right. against Arizona State, which shouldn't be a case at home. Right. But their defense got a pick six and one on the game. And then last week when they needed stops desperately in
1: the second half. Ass just defense. Put El- <laughs> put the game away. They played ass defense in yeah. the second half against Stanford. You do love to say when teams are not good defensively, they play ass defense. And El- that's a great... The way you say ass too you like have an emphasis on it i'm the ass man of this show <laughs> like it's not a good ass it's an <laughs> like ass defense there's good ass and then there's ass, ass yeah there is yeah. ass defense oh. i i uh <laughs> that's I, an, angry ass. It an, an angry, angry ass it is an angry ass that uh that's the ass that eats the underwear you're like you got a bad <laughs> wedgie going on it's like the ass is eating it um I think the only thing I would nitpick with what Federer said of all the things, Uh it'd be the recruiting. It wouldn't be so much the performance. Because, Dirt, you know, and I know, and Swag knows, everybody knows, good and great teams, if they get through things, they're just going to have weird games. Maybe that's that for Oregon this weekend. This Mendoza kid's moving the ball around a little bit. Dude, Cal's be... offense is is on fire right now. But Cal comes in kind of a depressing opponent, right? Like, is Duck fans super excited for this game? Yep. I don't feel that energy. Uh, and, and they're 24-point favorites. Again, not saying Oregon's going to be in some dogfight. But I'm just saying sometimes a season can lend itself to weird games. Where you lose me a little bit is the recruiting. And, like, we're now kind of nitpicking, I guess, of – what did he say? The overall recruit? When you look at the rating per the player, yeah. it's not that
2: bad. But when you don't have that many players, it's not yeah, a real strong leg to stand on. There's some sure. technical
3: truth to that, but sure. we've seen if you... You're out-recruited by Virginia Tech and you have roughly the same recruit. If you amounts. rely on the portal exclusively or predominantly, it's... I mean, we've seen... Oregon try to do that, trying to find the next quarterback, and how many there's a Dakota misses Prukop did out they there. find before they got <laughs> bone Well, not many, though.
1: Like, Prukop was bad, but Adams was awesome when he played. He was great the year before, yeah. Who who would you have after? I don't Who was after that? Those... And then it was
2: Herbert. Herbert took over. Maybe. And Herbert started. Right, and so... then it was
1: Anthony Brown, and you had to deal with Anthony Brown. <laughs> Anthony Brown. Okay, that's a, that's a good one. So another one to Swag's point. But, like, you you still went to a Pac-12 title game yeah. with that, and that was an awful quarterback. I I think he is ultimately going to just always lean heavy on the portal because I've said this all year. I think the portal for a lot of coaches is rivaling high school recruiting. I mean, how many classes at schools do we tout, and then a year or two later, half that class is gone? Hell, Oregon and your coach did this. Totally. Cleaned out the 2021 class, kept a couple guys, and they've been good, but kept a couple and moved on and revamped this thing entirely through the portal, including at quarterback. So I get the cause for concern. You shouldn't be behind Virginia Tech, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Pittsburgh, Rutgers, Georgia Tech, TCU, Iowa, Minnesota, NC State, UCF, Purdue, Stanford, Nebraska, (laughs) Texas Tech, Kentucky, Arkansas, South Carolina, you shouldn't be behind these programs in the high school ratings, but to his point, Penix leaves, all this offense, how do you as a transfer quarterback, if you're one of the top ones, not go, oh, that guy won the Heisman? Or, oh, that guy was in the Heisman race all year and put up numbers? Sure. Like that's what they're going to lean on, and that's just what it is.
2: I, I would think the counter argument to that is, I don't like they're going to be able to find a quarterback. Deboer's back that up. Like Penix is the proof. And if I'm a quarterback, I would absolutely look at that system and say I want to go play there. The counter-argument to that, though, of just being able to do it through the portal, what else are they going to lose this offseason? You're losing two NFL-wide receivers. You're losing two NFL offensive linemen. Yeah. You're losing two NFL pass rushers on the edge who are all very talented players and probably don't get the conversation that they deserve because Penix gets the headlines in the spotlight. That's not easy to address in the portal. And that's where the recruiting question comes in of you, there, there there, will always have to be a 50-50 balance. I think you're right in terms of the portal Increasing in importance, but I don't think it'll ever overtake recruiting completely because you have to have the ability to have guys that you're developing at positional needs, and then you go plug holes. Like that's the model that works the best with the teams that are winning at the highest level. In Washington, this team, honestly, is a part of that. Like Adunze was the original Washington guy. He's not a transfer portal kid, but Penix was, right? They plugged the holes where they've needed to. If you're just going to lean heavily in one area and not be able to develop your own players, that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But, I uh, I, I am fascinated by this game tomorrow. I have no feel in Washington and USC. You tell me Washington wins by two tutties and runs away with it, not surprised. You tell me Caleb throws five touchdowns and Washington's defense loses on the game, not surprised. I can't wait to watch it tomorrow at 4.30. we got a lot to get to in the final hour of the show. Spragging line coming up at 8.30. Get your fake sponsors in, 503-864-6326. We'll do some gambling at the bottom of the hour. I do have some thoughts on Oregon and Cal. I want to start there. we got poll questions we need to answer. It's loaded. Don't go anywhere. Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan.